there's a recurring phrase in the Bible which Jesus uses, and it's this, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. It's in Mark chapter 4, at least twice. It's in the book of Revelation and Jesus' letters to the churches, calling us to listen to God's Spirit. So as followers of Jesus, it's time to pin back our lug holes and listen up to what he has to say to us and then put it into practice. Just going to invite Duncan and Rachel to come and read Mark chapter 4 to us. If you've got a Bible, follow along. If not, just sit back and listen. Thanks. Mark chapter 4. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat, and then he sat in the boat while the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling them many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have roots, it died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants as they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, even a 100 times as much as it had been planted. Then he said, Anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the twelve disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parable meant. He replied, You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders, so that the scriptures may be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and will be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants the seeds by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell on the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a 100 times as much as has been planted. Then Jesus asked them, Would anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. 
and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he is asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crop on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then the head of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Jesus said, How can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and the birds can make nests in its shade. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterward... When he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Thank you. Shall we pray? Lord, we don't want to be uh, like the people mentioned here who gather to listen to you but learn nothing and don't understand anything and don't do anything about it. So, Lord, we pray that you will help us this morning as we pay attention to what you have said, to listen and understand and to put it into practice. Amen. So what is the Lord saying to us today through his word, the Bible? I want to focus in on two verses. The verse which Adrian and Chloe picked for Micah's dedication in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. The verse we see here where Jesus talks about the good soil multiplying and producing fruit. It says here, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as been planted. And then in Micah in the Old Testament, he has shown you O mortal, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This is what the kingdom of God looks like in real life. Often when we say the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, it's a bit hard to pin it down and a bit vague, but 
In reality, Micah 6 tells us what it looks like and feels like. This is the harvest which comes from listening to Jesus and doing what he says. And this is why we teach our children from a very early age about Jesus. Because Jesus shows us how to become fully formed human beings. He shows us how to grow up. John Ortberg puts it like this, becoming God's best version of you. I quite like that. That's very helpful. Jesus shows us how to live fruitful, generous lives instead of lives of endless consumption. The ideology of this culture wants us to think of ourselves as consumers. And so we learn to consume more and more, never satisfied, until eventually we and our planet are consumed to death. We are seeing it happening before our very eyes on the media. So what we see here this morning is very relevant for us in our world today. Jesus, in his parable about the farmer, talks about how the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and desire for other things, crowd out our attempts to be productive, fruitful human beings. So how do we change this for the benefit of ourselves and God's world? The answer is to become like the seed sown on good soil. We have to hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So when we put Jesus' teaching into practice, the output from our lives changes from more and more rubbish to more and more fruit. Surely that's the better way around. Kingdom fruit, good stuff, described by the prophet Micah as justice, mercy, and humility. So this morning I want us to take Micah's dedication verse and think how we put it into practice, thereby becoming the good productive soil Jesus talks about in his parable. So how do we act justly? Acting justly, I think, is doing the right thing whatever the cost. And often we find doing the right thing is the hardest option, isn't it? It's rarely easy to do the right thing. It's costly and difficult. It's admitting we were wrong. It's thinking about the needs of others before our own needs. It's standing up and speaking out for those who can't speak out for themselves. For the poorest in our world, for example, and for our world itself. Isn't that what Greta Thunberg is doing? Whatever you think of Greta, she is a prophetic voice in our world, holding our world and its leaders and us to account. She's a child, but that sounds to me like a God thing, a child speaking prophetically to the grown-ups in this world. Listen to one of the prophetic words which has come out of our week of prayer this week. As a church, God works through us as we try to be authentic in his love and be washed in his grace. My heart is saying to me that as a church, we need to be proactive in looking after the earth that we have been so beautifully blessed with. 
that we live it, not preach to what we should or shouldn't do, but we pledge in our hearts to change and support each other in that change. I think that's very helpful. It's no coincidence, I think, that the next One Northallerton project will be an eco-church venture where we as churches in the town will work together to reduce our carbon footprint and look at ways we can proactively look after this part of God's world. And let's face it, this is a beautiful part of God's world here in North Yorkshire. And, and you know, it's our job as stewards of this earth to play our part in taking care of it. United Reformed Church have been doing it for years. So we need to learn from them. And it's good that we now do this as one church in Northallerton. We're keen to involve all ages in this. And if you'd like to get involved, come and see me or send me an email and I'll keep you in the loop with what is happening. Jesus' parable about the lamp here, I think helps us to see this more clearly. It helps us to see our lives as a light that is made to shine in the darkness. So, don't hide your light under the bed. Get out there into the open and let your life light shine. However God calls you to do that. When you do this, you will find that God will use you to help others to see him and to see the beauty of his creation. And as you bless God's world, he in turn will bless you and give you more than you've given to him. That sounds like a good deal to me. Because God is no man's debtor. Did you know that? You can't give more to God than he gives to you. So Jesus says, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. And you will receive even more. So here's a a simple way of putting Jesus' teaching into practice. Take this prayer away with you this morning and work it into your daily life in the week ahead. Here's the prayer. It's nine words. Lord Jesus, help me to understand what to do. Shall we say that together? Lord Jesus, help me to understand what to do. My experience is that the Lord answers that prayer. Whatever the situation, however small or however big, when we ask the Lord for understanding, for his wisdom, he gives it to us. He gives us understanding. And the more we ask for understanding, the more he gives us. That's what it says here. That's what Jesus says in Mark chapter 4. And this is how we learn to act justly and do the right thing. We ask the Lord to show us. Here's what it says in Psalm 37. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Your vindication like the noonday sun. So moving on, how do we love mercy. I think mercy is like the two parables Jesus tells us here about the growing seed and the mustard seed. When we show mercy to someone, what we're doing is planting a seed 
of the kingdom of heaven in their lives. And God then makes it grow. It might not seem much to us, a simple act of kindness or forgiveness. But then along comes the Holy Spirit and that mercy seed begins to grow. The person who has received mercy in turn shows mercy to others and gradually a crop of goodness begins to sprout from their life and in time there is a blessed harvest of lives for God's kingdom. On Friday at our prayer morning, I asked Elizabeth and Wendy to pray for this message. Elizabeth came up with this phrase which she felt was for this morning. Never underestimate the power of new growth. Ask John and Judith just to put a picture up for us. There it is, one little green shoot. In the parable of the growing seed, Jesus uses the image of a tiny green leaf to illustrate the power of new growth. It looks like nothing much at all. But then, after a few sleeps, and farmers do sleep, I know they get up early in the morning, but they're also good at sleeping and then getting up and harvesting. In the parable of the growing seed, Jesus uses this image and the little seed, after a few sleeps, the farmer comes along to reap a harvest. We don't participate in the growth. We do some of the planting. But God just makes it grow. It's part of the ecology of the world which he has created. In the parable of the mustard seed, Jesus talks about the smallest of seeds becoming the largest of the garden plants. Now, back in my last church, I preached a sermon about the mustard seed. At the end of the service, we gave out little tiny mustard seeds to everyone, just as a a little reminder of just how much faith you need to see God's kingdom work their tiny little seeds in. It was a bit of a nightmare because, you know, we used to meet in a school and the seeds got everywhere. It wasn't really helpful for a relationship with the school. But one lady, Sheila, my daughter-in-law's grandmother, took her seed home and planted it. And there she is in her back garden a few months later. But she planted the seed and looked after it. And within a few months, it was taller than herself. She sent me that just to remind me that God does indeed make his seed, the kingdom of heaven, grow. Never underestimate the power of new growth. Your simple act of mercy may seem like nothing to you, like a drop in the ocean. But as God takes it, people who were formerly isolated and on their own come to find shelter in Jesus' family tree of mercy. And that's a good place to be like the birds in the story, coming to take shelter in the mustard tree. Last weekend, New Life hosted the second anniversary celebration for our friends from Syria's arrival here in our town. That's two years. It was a bring and share thing. Syrian food, some Yorkshire food, family fun, lots of smile and laughter. It was a joy to be at. 
And what a contrast for them to what they have experienced in recent years, just trying to stay alive. It was such a joy to see them happy and their families growing as they start to have children. And it strikes me that this is what mercy looks like in our world today. Christians being kind to Muslims is a good idea. And Muslims being kind to Christians is another good idea. Do you know, it's only five families that have come to our town. Other cities have received many more than us. It's a drop in the ocean of the many Syrians who have been scattered all over the world. But those five families are putting roots down and growing. And we'll be receiving some more Syrian families in the summer because it's gone well and they feel at home here. Never underestimate the power of new growth. Let's welcome them with open arms, with loving arms of mercy, just like Jesus. Just like that mustard tree where all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds can make nests in its shade underneath the mercy tree of God. How do we walk humbly with our God? Well, the Bible tells us in the book of Philippians that Jesus humbled himself in obedience to God. Now, I find that interesting. This tells us that humility is a conscious act in response to who God is. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just come out of us. We make a conscious decision to copy Jesus or to get alongside him. If we walk with God and know him, our actions, however small, start to resemble the actions of this humble God. And that's what being a Christian is. I don't know what you think a Christian is. Maybe you've been taught that it's that someone who comes to church. Well, that could be true. Uh, or somebody that dresses up to go to church. Or someone who observes a number of religious observances. But really, when you boil it down, a Christian is looking and acting like Jesus. You're a Christ one. That's what the word is. And when we look at Jesus, we see someone who looks 100% like God. That's because he is God, the Son. And he only does what he sees his Father doing. He never felt the need to big himself up. He wasn't interested in grandstanding, although he could have. That's what the devil tempted him to do, and he resolutely refused. He chose instead to hang about with a bunch of fishermen in their boats. In fact, all of this teaching in chapter 4 was either at the lake shore or in a boat with the fishermen. And after his teaching, they started out for the other side because Jesus had a Holy Spirit appointment with a man who he needed set free from his demons. And we'll read about that next week. But on the way, they were engulfed by a storm while Jesus slept like a baby in the back of the boat without a care in the world. And when they finally got him awake, the creator and sustainer of the universe gave the wind and the waves a telling off and told them to shush. And the disciples, who were previously terrified from the storm, were now even more terrified by this man who could even command the wind and waves to be still. Who is this man, they said to each other. Now, there's a good question. Who is 
this man. He's the son of man, and he's the son of God. That's why he could hang out in a boat with him and do life together with him. He's the son of man. But he's also the son of God who created the whole caboodle and was in authority over it all, and still is. Gideon Kendrick, Christian songwriter, hits the nail on the head. This is our God, the servant king. He calls us now to follow him. The humblest man ever to walk this earth was and is the king of the universe. And he calls us to follow in his footsteps, walking humbly with our God. As followers of Jesus, our default position, therefore, is humility. And we have to consciously choose it. Sitting at Jesus' feet, washing our fellow disciples' feet. The only competition around this place should be who is first in line to serve. And as we develop leaders in this church, that's what we teach them. A leader, his only priority or her only priority is is being the first in line to serve others. And here's the paradox. When we do that, when we walk humbly with our God, we come under Jesus' authority and our lives start to bear fruit and God produces that harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much has been planted in here. All we need is three little mustard seeds of faith, justice, mercy, and humility. This is our Micah challenge this morning. Will you accept it? Shall we pray? Sovereign Lord Jesus, show us how to act justly in your world today. Help us to be good stewards of your good world on behalf of future generations. Lord, save us from being selfish and greedy and thinking about only ourselves. Help us to look to the future and play our part in stewarding a world that is fit for purpose for the coming generations. And Lord, thank you for the mercy you've shown to us. We come to the cross to receive your mercy afresh today. Just in your hearts, do that together with me as we make our way to the cross. We pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Wash us clean, Lord Jesus. This week, draw our attention to the people you want us to offer a hand of help and mercy to. And Lord, draw us closer to you, the servant king. Sometimes it feels like we barely know you. We are so unlike you, and yet you call us to be like you. Help us to follow you out of these doors, and into this world in step with you, in step with your humility and under your authority for the praise of your glory. Amen.